0: Max was not always this way. We adopted him as a lively, playful puppy, a bundle of joy that brought light into our lives. His favorite game was fetch, and he'd spend hours on end chasing balls and sticks in our large, green backyard. In the house, he was docile and gentle, snuggling with Laura and me on the couch, wagging his tail happily at any hint of attention. But as the years passed, his energy faded, replaced with the contented lethargy of a well-loved, aging pet. We expected this, prepared for the gradual quieting of our bounding Labrador. But we didn't expect what came next. It began subtly, the barking. The first time, it startled us awake, the piercing sound cutting through the stillness of our house. We found Max, standing rigid in our kitchen, a low growl vibrating through his frame as he stared at the empty corner beside the refrigerator. His tail was a straight arrow, and his eyes had a wild alertness that I had never seen before. We called to him, tried to soothe him, but he was unresponsive, his gaze locked on the empty space. A few sleepless nights later, we started rationalizing the behavior. We thought maybe it was Max's age the onset of senility that can affect dogs in their later years. We even laughed about it, saying our old boy had started seeing ghosts. But as the barking became a nightly occurrence, always at midnight, my amusement began to fade. It wasn't just the kitchen anymore. It was different corners of the house each night, but always an empty space. His stance was the same, aggressive, defensive, as if he was protecting us from something. And every time, his gaze was locked onto a corner, a fixed point we could see nothing in. I am a man of science, a physicist by profession, and I have always relied on logic and evidence to navigate my world. This unexplainable behavior of Max's wasn't fitting into any scientific model I knew. It was unsettling, a puzzle piece that refused to fit and my scientific curiosity started to mingle with an undercurrent of worry. There had to be a reason for this, a cause that was triggering this response. Was it a medical issue? Or was there something more, something lurking in those corners we were unable to perceive? So, I decided to find out. If Max was seeing something we weren't, I was going to bring it into the light. I began the project methodically, Laying out a blueprint of our house and marking the areas Max seemed to be most agitated by. The corners of our kitchen, our bedroom, the guest bathroom, and bizarrely, the small closet under the stairs were the most frequented spots. I bought the best surveillance cameras I could afford, compact units equipped with night vision and motion detection. If there was something there, tangible or otherwise, I intended to capture it. The installation took a few days. I mounted cameras at various angles in each room, ensuring a clear view of all corners. I ran cables along the baseboards and up frames, meticulously hiding them to not disrupt Laura's carefully curated home aesthetics. At night, I'd test the live feed, watching our empty rooms bathed in the eerie green glow of night vision. With the setup complete, The first night of surveillance arrived. Max was blissfully unaware of the cameras, his focus, as always, undeterred by anything other than the invisible presence in our home. As the clock neared midnight, the familiar anxiety began to creep in. The house fell into a deep silence. The only sound was the ticking of the wall clock in the hallway, each second punctuating the stillness. Then, right on cue, it began. Max's barking echoed through the house, loud, insistent, a desperate attempt to communicate danger. I rushed to the monitor, the screen split into various views from the cameras. Max was in the living room, standing rigidly, staring at the empty corner next to the bookshelf. I switched to the camera trained on that area. The night vision gave the room an ethereal quality turning our familiar, cozy living room into a scene from a horror movie. I watched Max bark and growl at nothing, the eerie green light casting long, grotesque shadows on the wall. Despite my scientific mind, I felt a chill run down my spine. There was something incredibly unsettling about seeing our beloved pet fiercely defending us from something that we couldn't see. As the hours bled into the early morning, I found myself watching the feeds relentlessly, my heart thudding in my chest, as I awaited a sign, an answer to our predicament. After several hours of watching Max bark at seemingly nothing, my patience was wearing thin. My logical mind started berating me, questioning the ridiculousness of this overnight surveillance. Was I truly expecting a ghost to pop out of the corner on my 4K resolution security camera? The thought was absurd. Just as I was about to call it a night, my attention was caught by an odd disturbance on the living room feed. I squinted, leaning in closer to the monitor. Among the play of shadows, there was a patch that didn't fit the pattern. It was a faint, milky haze, a nebulous form that hovered, defying the laws of physics I held so dear. I felt my heart beat quicken as I enhanced the image. The form didn't dissipate or pixelate as I'd expected with a software glitch. Instead, it became more defined, vaguely humanoid, featureless, but undoubtedly present. My breath hitched as I recognized the corner it occupied, it was the exact spot Max was barking at. With a sense of dread mounting, I switched to other feeds. In the once empty corners of our house, there were more of these entities a smaller form in the kitchen, a taller, slender one in the guest bathroom, and an undefined mist in the closet under the stairs. There was a cold knot in my stomach as I watched these unseen entities, clearly invisible to my naked eye, yet somehow visible to the camera, and to Max. The air felt heavy around me, as if the house itself was holding its breath. I turned to look at Max, still at his post his barks echoing through the otherwise silent house. His eyes were wide, teeth bared, every line of his body screaming alarm. In that moment, I knew we were not alone. We were sharing our house with things we couldn't see, things we didn't understand. And only Max seemed capable of perceiving them. As a scientist, I had always dismissed the paranormal as folklore and superstition. But after witnessing the unexplainable on my camera feeds, I found myself stepping into a realm I had never thought to explore. I tracked down a reputed paranormal expert in our town, a man named Edgar. He was a peculiar character, with a wild mane of white hair and sharp, probing eyes. His home was filled with odd artifacts and books on the occult and supernatural, instantly making me feel out of place. But I was desperate. And I knew I couldn't solve this with my physics textbooks. I handed Edgar my laptop, pointing out the ethereal figures in the camera feeds. I could see his brows furrow as he watched the videos and listened to my explanation of Max's behavior. There was a long silence after I finished my story, the old man stroking his unkempt beard thoughtfully. He finally broke the silence, his voice barely above a whisper. It seems you have spiritual entities sharing your space, spirits of those who once lived there, perhaps, he suggested. The thought was chilling, the idea that we were sharing our home with invisible occupants from another plane of existence. Edgar advised us to coexist with the spirits. He reasoned that they hadn't shown any signs of malevolence, just a mere presence, and disturbing them might provoke unwanted reactions. I was skeptical my scientific mind protesting against the idea of living with spirits. But what choice did we have? So, we began our uneasy coexistence with the unseen. Our once peaceful home now felt charged with an undercurrent of tension. We watched Max closely, his reactions becoming our only way to gauge the actions of the spirits. Every bark, every growl put us on edge, wondering if the harmless spirits had decided to become not so harmless. Life had taken an uncanny turn, the certainty of our reality hanging by the thread of our old Labrador's instincts. I was half asleep when Max's barks jolted me awake. This was different, not his usual aggressive, assertive bark, but a frantic, panicked yelp. My heart hammered in my chest as I leapt out of bed, Laura at my heels both of us guided by the same instinctual fear, our daughter. We had set up a baby monitor in Lily's room, a small camera topper wooden dresser pointed towards her crib. I snatched the monitor from our bedside table, my eyes scanning the small screen. Lily was standing in her crib, her small hands reaching out towards something we couldn't see. She was laughing, her innocent giggles crackling over the baby monitor eerily contrasting Max's frantic barks. As I watched in growing horror, the monitor flickered suddenly, the image dissolving into grainy static. A cold shiver ran down my spine. When the image returned, my heart froze in my chest. There, in the gentle glow of Lily's nightlight, was the misty form. It was hovering over Lily's crib, a hazy, indistinct silhouette in the semi-darkness. It seemed to be reaching towards her, mirroring her actions. A surge of protective fear washed over me. I sprinted towards Lily's room, Laura close behind. The scene that greeted us was surreal. Lily was giggling, her little hands outstretched towards the entity, while Max stood at the door, barking hysterically, his body quaking. We could see nothing, no misty forms, just our daughter interacting with thin air. But Max's panic and the image seared into my mind from the baby monitor left no room for doubt. That night, our fragile peace shattered, replaced with a visceral dread that these unseen entities were more than just harmless spirits. They had shown an interest in our daughter, crossing a line we weren't prepared to negotiate. After the terrifying encounter with the entity in Lily's room, there was no question of waiting around to see what happened next. Edgar, the paranormal expert, gave us the contact of a reputed exorcist, Father O'Malley. The following day, our quiet home turned into a place of prayer and ritual. Father O'Malley arrived clad in his black cassock, carrying a satchel filled with odd paraphernalia. His calm, steady presence was a comforting balm against our frayed nerves. He began the process by lighting sage and holy incense, filling the house with their potent, earthy scents. He held a crucifix in one hand, sprinkling holy water in every corner, his voice steady as he chanted prayers and blessings. Max followed Father O'Malley closely, his brown eyes watching the exorcist's every move, his tail between his legs. He seemed to understand the gravity of the situation, his barks silenced in favor of a quiet vigilance. The ritual lasted hours, moving from room to room, the priest cleansing every nook and cranny of our home. It was late in the evening when the house finally fell silent. The scent of sage lingered in the air, and a sense of calm settled over us. Max let out a heavy sigh and lay down in his favorite spot by the fireplace, his body finally relaxed. That night, as the clock struck midnight, we braced ourselves for Max's barks. But they never came. Instead, he slept peacefully at the foot of our bed, his breathing slow and even. Our home felt different, as if a heavy curtain had been lifted. The air was lighter, the rooms brighter. We sighed in relief, pulling our daughter closer, exchanging smiles in the semi-darkness. The unseen entities were gone. We had our home back. Max, our brave Labrador, had been our sentinel, our alarm against the unseen. He was not just our pet, he was our protector, an unlikely hero in our terrifying journey into the supernatural.